0: Welcome back to True Crime Shrine, the podcast where the planets align. I remember that part now. Uh, three friends chat about true crime, something else. Astrology. Astrology and any other, and any other weird, weird bullshit bullshit we can fit into this podcast. <laughs> Hannah has been drinking since 3 p.m. This is woo, excellent. Woo! It's episode 25. And now I've done everything I need to do because it's not my story today. So intro and number. Check, 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 check. All right. Ding music. Ding. All right. Uh, anybody have anything to say about whatever we did last week? No. Cool. Okay. Alright, cool. no, housekeeping. no housekeeping. No housekeeping. I'm
1: I'm trying to remember Twitter, but it like the whole day gets away from me, and then I'm like, oh, oops, there I go again.
0: I'm really behind <laughs> on the website and Instagram. It's I'm all right. losing my GD mind. So maybe maybe in January I'll be better. Probably not. <laughs> but maybe in January I'll have a PhD. Woo! Woo! Fat That's ass awesome. dick. Nope. No. That doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was fat with the pH though. P oh yeah yeah. Okay. Oh could, yeah, that could still work, I guess. Anywho, <laughs> <laughs> someone just take this away from me. <laughs> okay,
1: so my story this week. I think you'll actually like this one, Hannah. It's a little bit Hannibal Lecter Ooh. and a little bit more of those terrible, terrible failures of psychiatric care and management in the UK, kind of like our UK Tasmanian buddy from episode seven, uh, Anthony Hardy. Less yeah. woo, but yes, okay. Less woo, but definitely something that should be addressed. And then there's just a little touch of spooky folklore because I kind of have to keep going on this spooky train, especially since this is the first episode of October. Yeah. Yeah. Spooky season. All right. So without further ado, meet Peter Bryan. Hi, Peter. Peter was born in London on October 4th,
2: 1969. Ooh, so he has the same birthday, same birthday as, as the day episode that this comes
1: out, yes. He was the youngest of his family. He had six older siblings, and they were all born to immigrant parents from Barbados.
2: Hmm. Ooh. Okay.
1: So he attended the Shaftesbury Junior School in Forest Gate, and then went to Trinity Secondary School in Canningtown. Cannington? I don't know. Cannington. Uh, <laughs> <but> he went... <laughs> I might attempt a British accent later. We'll, we'll find out. I think out. you should. Depends on how much sake I have in me. <laughs> he left school at around age 15, um, as one does in the era, and obtained employment at a clothing store and then later moving on to teach cooking lessons at his local soup kitchen. So oh, all normal. Okay.
2: All right.
1: Nothing really stand out standing out from his childhood upbringing or anything.
0: Now that I'm looking into getting a job, my only question is always, how did these people get these jobs? He has no experience in cooking. Oh, maybe he did, though. Maybe he
1: like had to cook a lot with his siblings growing up. That doesn't count. And like it's at a soup kitchen. Yeah, you know, five star or like a Michelin star restaurant.
0: Fine, have a job,
1: whatever. (laughs) So relatively normal upbringing by all appearances. The first documented signs that something was actually wrong was in 1987 when he was 18. He'd been living in a government-assisted housing apartment called the Flying Angel in Custom House. So, police were called to this building when Peter tried to throw another resident out of a six-floor window.
2: Ooh. So, he tried to make a flying angel?
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn. Yeah. Good, good one. Oof. That yeah. nailed it. <laughs> uh. So, the victim had reported that the attack was apparently unprovoked. He just barged in with, like, you're going, but during the struggle, he was able to injure Peter, and Peter suffered a deep gash to his head. Okay. At the time, the police didn't go any further into this, and it appears it appears that charges weren't pressed or anything.
2: Okay. Interesting.
1: Documented weirdness. Okay. Well, I guess we're all gonna have a nice day since everyone survived. I
2: might move with your merry business. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Need to find a new place to live.
1: Goodbye. So that was that was the first documented something's wrong with Peter. Eighteen. 18 Yeah. Five years later, when he's 23, he was pining after Nisha Chef, the 20 year old daughter of a boutique store owner that he worked for. New job. Yeah, new job. Peter was caught stealing clothing from the fashionable lo- boutique, which was located on Kings Road. We've heard that one Kings before.
0: Kings Cross? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. never
1: mind. Well, same like ish location, I think. I don't know. London people, yell at us if we're wrong. So then he was fired because he was caught stealing. Yes. A week later, on March 18th, 1993, he returned to the store with a claw hammer. No, oh, no, my God,
0: that's such a weapon.
1: Upon entering the store, he knocked Nisha's 12-year-old brother Bobby to the ground and then beat her over the head with the hammer as she was distracted on the phone.
0: Jesus. She wasn't even the one that fired him. Yeah. She was the one
1: that he liked. I don't know if maybe it wasn't reciprocated or what.
0: Hmm. Ooh. Does this man need a real doll? No. <laughs> No 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 no. <gasps> okay. Just just making sure. So Nisha hit over
1: the head multiple times, pronounced dead by the time that the ambulance arrived. An hour later, Peter was high on weed. Not to say anything bad about weed, but that was just included in the report, of course. Okay. You know, it's the it's the nineties. So he jumped from a third floor balcony of a building in Battersea and they thought it was an apparent suicide attempt, but he survived. And then admitted to the manslaughter of Nisha on the grounds of diminished responsibility.
0: He really loves uh, throwing stuff out of windows. Even when it's himself. Yeah.
1: Uh yeah. Something about flying, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he was then sent to the Rampton
0: Manslaughter. Hold on, tea out. He brought a weapon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I mean he he admitted to
1: it. It's like I don't know if it was like some sort of plea deal to plead down to manslaughter from attempted eh, murder. Maybe.
0: Or murder, rather. Yeah, not attempted. He followed through with it for sure.
2: Well, with the diminished capacity, though, maybe that played oh, a part. Of what that in... he was on
0: some weed—that doesn't count. Sorry,
1: I'm not trying to make him out of. But I mean, I don't know. Like, it sounds like maybe they weren't very well off. If he was volunteering and working at a soup kitchen, and then had to work at like small jobs, like clothing stores and things like that, maybe losing that job was like enough to kind of drive him into some sort of arguable insanity. I mean, I, I guess, know. but okay. it's
0: still just murder. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't have the the actual documents of, like, what they described when they did the tests and stuff, but, um, so he was sent to the Rampton Maximum Security Psychiatric Unit, where he was seen and treated by several psychiatrists. By June 2001, he'd appeared to make enough progress in his mental health, and it was recommended that he get moved to a lower security facility,
2: so.
0: How many years was that? Seven or eight.
2: Eight. Yeah, because 93 was when it happened, and then, yeah, 2001. We can Um, math.
0: We can I just forgot when he went to jail.
1: Yeah. Like, not even really jail. It's a mental health, like, high security facility. Which can also be extremely shitty. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So then he was transferred from Rampton to the John Howard Center after a six-month trial leave project. And so this was kind of the lower security where they were trying to, like, rehabilitate him essentially instead. He was released into the care of a psychiatrist and a social worker. And then he was eventually released on the advice of several other psychiatrists after just a quick nine years total after the murder. Wow. Slash manslaughter. Hate it. Hate it. Peter had apparently treated his time in the psychiatric unit as training, though, and now he had the mental tools he needed to to be able to fool his doctors and blend seamlessly into society and mask his mental illness.
0: Yay. Great. You're doing it.
1: So then in 2002... After applying to a mental health rev- review tribunal, he was moved to the Riverside Hostel in North London, where he was allowed to carry door keys and could come and go as he pleased. Psychiatrists and social workers were all reporting that there had been a continued substantial improvement in his behavior.
0: Because he was in fucking
1: prison. Yeah. So he's, he's kind of got a lot more freedom now, can come and go, but he still kind of has to check in. And that's where he lives and resides is at this facility. But, of course, it comes as no surprise that in October 2003, psychiatrists noted that with this continued development in his mental state or improvement in his mental state, that they began to create plans to be able to move him into an even more independent care and housing facility. He was then transferred um, in January of 2004. So, like, October they're starting to make these plans. Then January they actually move him to Riverside House residential care facility in Seven Sisters, North London he stayed there for just a short amount of time because then he was caught okay, he was caught blowing raspberries on the belly of a 16 year old girl
0: ew, but um, gross, Peter Peter, inappropriate <laughs> also that's somehow grosser than just like him kissing a 16 year old girl, like blowing raspberries on the stomach I hate it Yeah, pervy, mm-hmm. hate it mm-hmm. pervy Pete Kirby? Pervy,
2: pervy,
0: oh pervy, <laughs>
1: pervy Pete, Yes. All right. So, yikes! He was then supposedly treated at Topaz Ward in Newham General Hospital, but then within a month, in February 2004, doctors agreed that Peter was of sound mind and could leave the ward as much as he wanted.
0: Yeah, seems super sane. Yeah. Very sane. He was then released on
1: February 17th, and then by 7 p.m. that night, he'd killed his second victim.
0: Woof.
2: Jesus.
1: So, Brian Cherry, his second victim, had been described as a nice man who lived alone and had a few friends. He was 43 at the time, living in the ground floor apartment, so no, no flying out windows, the ground floor apartment of Walth, Walth, wow, Walthamstow.
0: (laughs) I was like, say it with a British accent. Walthamstow. There you go.
1: East London. At around 7.15, his friend Nicola Newman let herself into the flat and immediately noticed a strong smell of some sort of disinfectant. Bleach. Yeah. Uh, so Peter then emerged from the living room, <gasps> shirtless and holding a large knife.
0: Oh and just my God.
1: Brian is dead.
0: Okay. Uh.
1: Naturally. Back she didn't believe slowly him. Slowly out of the room. <laughs> she didn't believe him and tried to look into the room.
2: Uh, no, no, no. Fucking run. Yeah. yeah. Prosecutor Jesus.
1: Jaffer G, I love this last name.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Reports that she had seen Brian's body lying naked on the floor, and she could see that one of his arms. Was actually on the floor a little ways away,
2: separated no. from two No, 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 no. Thank goodness at that point
1: she finally had some sense to call the police.
0: Oh, then? Because,
2: was <laughs> yeah. Peter just watching her?
1: Just standing there with the knife. Brian's dead. She's
0: like, well, I'm gonna pick up this telephone. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, this is 2004. She might actually have a cell phone. She might have true. a cell phone. Oh, yeah. So, calls the police. They arrive to find Brian still standing. Sorry, not Brian. Peter still oh. standing. well it's confusing because peter's last name is also brian that is confusing okay yeah so they find peter still standing in the hallway in the dark with blood-stained hands jeans and shoes in the kitchen they notice that there's a small amount of meat in a frying pan (gasps) next to an open tub of clover butter is
0: that just regular butter clover butter that's specific from like cows that eat clover okay
1: I think it's one of those brands that like the fancy sticks come in like gold wrapping. I think the oh, like carry
0: golds, nicer kind of. Maybe? Okay.
1: I don't know. It's like a specific brand of butter, not like the stuff that is like just carried by anyway.
2: Not you can't believe it's not butter. N-
1: no, I think it's real butter. Definitely would take real butter.
0: Margarine. Okay.
1: <laughs> real butter improves everything. True. All right. So meat in a frying pan, but it's not meat. It's actually part of. Brian's brain <gasps> no whoa. whoa and then upon further examining the room more brain tissue and hair matted with blood was piled on a plate next to a knife and fork and on the draining board by the sink with hair with hair like matted hair so Brian's brain uh. and hair and everything is just like all over this kitchen woof <laughs> yeah Peter told the officers that he killed Brian after he opened the door and then he stated quote, I ate his brain with butter it was really nice
0: yeah. Did he actually eat it? Or was it still cooking? I'm pretty sure he actually ate it. Yeah, so that's why I never opened my door. Yeah. <laughs> I've never had brain. It sounds blah. That's how you get
1: prions.
0: He already has enough going on. He doesn't need a prion. Yeah. Okay. Do, do, do.
1: He later added to his statement, saying, quote, I would have done someone else if you hadn't come along. I wanted their souls.
0: <gasps> no. Hmm. Interesting thought that the brain is where the soul is. Mm hmm.
1: So Brian's skull had been smashed open with at least 24 blows from a hammer.
0: Jesus. Fucking loves a hammer.
1: Yep. And his head was partly sawn off.
0: It's just not super attached. It's not super it's attached. attached. It's not
1: there. Yeah. It's partly gone. That's the bad part. His right leg and both arms were seemingly hacked away from the torso. Oh. Blood, blood was everywhere, obviously. You, I mean, you don't
0: have to be able to was just that the one. Was just the knife?
1: Yeah. Went through bone? It's a lot of work. Well, so he continues, so there's three blood-stained knives that are left on the floor, and in a more detailed report, Mr. Jaffer G said, quote, the severed leg, severed left leg, was partly sawn and partly fractured. At the top of the right, <sighs> left, the muscle had been completely divided, and superficial sawing of the bone had commenced. Okay.
0: Ooh. I have questions here about why he wants the leg. That's not where the soul is. I mean, maybe he wanted to eat more of it. Ugh. Or maybe he was just having fun with it maybe she's having fun with it
1: yeah so the pathologist concluded the defendant had uh, had been interrupted before he could com- complete the amputation of the limbs so that's probably like when she walked in kind of thing okay and then he Peter later admitted that he was comforted by the smell of blood. Gross. And added, quote, I used the Stanley knife to cut them off and some other kitchen knives, but I had to stamp on them to break the bone. Okay. So there's your answer of how he got the, with the knives. That makes sense. Yep.
0: Okay. The smell of blood is comforting. Yeah, I don't get that. I'm just giving Sarah some eyes because you can smell blood when she's very um anemic. <laughs> I can't. Well, I had steak tacos tonight for dinner, but
1: when Kirk got home, like after biking, I was like, mm, you smell like blood. <laughs> Oh, no. Because I can smell it on people's breath. This is okay. a lot of podcasters. Hello.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: that was my fault. I can smell it on people's breath after they do like a cardio workout if I'm feeling anemic because it's like somehow like in their lungs kind of. Oh, know. okay. When you have your blood pumping, it, I can smell the blood coming from their She
0: breath. never anyway. smells it on me because I never do any cardio. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be safe this from that fair. as well. Yep.
1: yeah Yeah. All right, so even at Pentonville Jail, he told a member of the staff that he wanted to kill a warder and eat someone's nose. And prison officers had to use riot shields when they were unlocking his cell in case that he decided to attack them.
2: Yeah, fair enough.
1: Peter was finally admitted to Broadmoor Maximum Security Hospital on April 15th, 2004, and and was kept in a private guarded cell. But, of course, the doctors messed up again and believed that he had settled down and that he could be transferred to a medium-risk ward.
0: What the hell, people? Uh, Do you really settle down that much after eating someone's brain and hacking their limbs off? That sounds like an escalation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And he wants to eat someone's nose while he's already in prison? Like, no.
0: Okay. No.
1: So there's a significant failure within the mental health care regime in, like, realizing that there is a danger here, right? (laughs)
0: Yes, yeah, significant <laughs> yeah. P value less than point zero 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 one. Like what the fuck Very y'all? Very obvious. Mr. Jaffer G again says even more startling
1: or I guess I should do the, the accent again. Do it. Even more startling is the fact that such a capacity for fit for failure within this regime was to manifest itself again in just a few weeks' time. Just a few weeks? So the failure was there, this is what's happening, the failure is there's no one supervising the dining hall where Peter and other inmates were eating their meals. So like shortly after he gets into this lower security ward, he's just sitting down eating dinner with other people, no longer in a private cell. His third victim, Richard Loudwell, was 60 years old and awaiting trial for the murder of an 82-year-old woman and was a patient in the same ward.
2: Well, I mean, at least he's got better victims.
0: I'm not gonna cry yeah. a ton of tears.
2: Yeah.
1: No.
0: Yeah. It's. I mean, it's gonna have pretty it's tough kind of like a Dexter meet. situation now, right? <laughs> so,
1: on the day of his death, which is April 25th, 2004, it was stated that Mr. Loudwell was a happy, cheering, and laughing man.
0: Well, good that he killed a jolly lady. for him.
1: I mean, they're all in a, in like a mental health ward kind of thing so maybe he's on some significant drugs i don't know
0: i need some of those fucking drugs then because i am just tired all the time on the ones that i'm on
1: oh yeah for sure that i mean like having an energy
0: level energy would be f- so fucking why does this fucking murderer get energy and i don't i oh, know that's not fair not fair unfair britain maybe you need
1: to eat someone's brains and get their livelihood
0: out of them oh maybe energy is found in prions oh
1: well, that's just chaos.
0: It's energetic chaos until you fall off a cliff. All right. So around 6
1: p.m., three members of the staff that are like down the hall, not monitoring or anything. God,
0: we're, we're not there at all.
1: No. They hear loud banging noises coming from the dining room and go to investigate. And they found Mr. Loudwell lying unconscious on the floor next to one of the tables. His face and head was covered in blood and there was a strangulation mark around his neck. He then died on June 5th from bronchopneumonia caused by his brain trauma.
2: Oh, so he lived for a bit.
1: Yeah, he was unconscious, and then he he finally died like over a month later.
0: Jesus, his victim probably suffered a lot too. This is a want, want, no tears situation.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: but they're really not doing. They're not doing very good at running this hospital. No, they're just like down the
1: hall having a cigarette break or something while this
0: guy's Mm, getting. I know anything about Londoners. There's definitely some cigarettes involved. Hit me
1: up, (laughs) London. So when Peter was found later, he admitted that he'd tried to strangle Mr. Loudwell with a piece of cord and had smashed his head repeatedly on the floor.
0: Where'd he get the cord? Yeah. Probably like shoelace. I don't know. It's like that other thing we did where someone had a shoelace in prison. Mm-hmm. You gotta get, you gotta get those slip ons Slip-ons or Velcro. Yeah. Like my six-year-old. Velcro. <laughs> yeah. Tying a shoe is way too much, way too much struggle for someone on a lot of psychiatric drugs. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm kidding.
1: So after this incident, Peter told the doctors, quote, I get these urges, you see. I've had these urges ever since I saw him. He's the bottom of the food chain, old and haggard. He looked like he'd had his innings. What? I was just waiting for my chance to get at him. I wanted to kill him and eat him. I didn't have much time. If I did, I would have tried to cook him and eat him.
0: Okay, Peter. You have some logic there, but also, obviously, you weren't going to have time to eat him. Yeah. It was in a room full of people. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Pretty concerning. Peter. Oh,
1: Peter. When asked if he thought that eating people or wanting to eat people was normal, Peter replied, of course it's normal. Cannibalism is normal. It's been here for centuries. If I was on the street, I'd go for someone bigger, you know, for the challenge. I felt excited when I attacked him. I wanted to shag him when he was alive and also when he was dead.
2: Shag him? Well, that's a new twist. So he wants to smash, eat, and shag?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a, like, dinner and a, dinner and a, and a lay, but it's, you know.
1: I think he's, like, getting excited by the
0: idea of it. That's a due twist. I haven't heard that so, yet, from him. Yeah. Before and after, he doesn't really have a preference to whether, whether he's dead or not. Yeah,
1: basically. I mean, I don't think, like, the victims are very different to him either way. Yeah, he doesn't really have a type, it doesn't sound like. No. Mm -mm. He continues to state that he had briefly considered eating him raw because he didn't have access to cooking equipment.
0: Well, uh, I assumed he had tried to nibble. <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't know if they found five marks on him or anything. I don't <laughs> think he had time
2: to. Of
0: course he could not have time to cook it. Ugh, Peter. So he then named another
1: patient as his next target and added- To the doctor? It's something like- Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's something like a ritual. I must be becoming a serial something.
2: Killer? A serial something?
1: Mr. Jaffer G. also reported that he believed that the human body was a natural food source and it made him stronger, and that he wanted to kill eight people because he wanted to be known as a serial killer.
2: It's only three, buddy. But he wanted to wrap up That does make you a serial,
0: though. I think it's two or more.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, eight was the number that he wanted. I
0: don't know. Okay. Okay, Peter.
1: Peter even told the doctors that he would be released into the community again, despite killing the three people.
0: Was Peter correct? No. Okay, good.
2: (laughs) <laughs> Thank God! Jesus. I had to
1: think for a second. I was like, "What does he Okay, it, go. it already happened twice. Yeah, psychiatrist like Dr. Martin Locke who carried out a series of interviews with Peter. And like these interviews, I'm imagining it to be very much like Silence of the Lambs, talking to a cannibal.
0: Okay, I should watch that again as
1: an adult. It's spooky season.
2: it puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm-hmm.
1: So Dr. Martin Locke goes through these interviews and said he was the most dangerous man I've ever assessed. He told the doctor, quote, You look like a brainy chap, and you're quite slim. I think I could take you.
0: I get that brain power. Yeah. So I think it's the first smart psychiatrist we've had this entire episode. Yes, he is a very dangerous man. Good job. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a degree in psychology, but I, I get it. I gotcha. Mr. Jeffergy had said that Brian... Brian again.
1: Peter should die behind bars and added, he is at his most deadly when he's able to present himself as entirely calm and settled. This case reveals a chilling insight into the mind of a man who had developed an appetite for killing.
0: Was he medicated at all while he was at this, like, lower security psychiatric hospital?
1: It doesn't say. I would imagine so, just to kind of subdue him, but it doesn't say that he was medicated. But it's in the era where, like, 2000s weren't the worst they were definitely available to him
0: not like huh. great but I mean I don't think I don't think they've changed a lot since the 2000s but at least we're not like giving them a diabetic coma or something although that would have made him not kill anybody because he would have been unconscious
2: yes quick timeout I just googled to see what he looks like and I actually came across a, a diagram of was it Ryan who who is the second victim?
1: Brian Cherry?
2: The one in the apartment.
1: Yeah, Brian Cherry. Oh,
2: Brian Cherry. So there's a a diagram of like his living room or his apartment and like where his body parts were. Oh,
0: oh. well, it's oh just very
2: fucking disturbing. I'll put it I'm sorry. On
0: the website. All right.
2: Okay. Sorry. I was just like, oh fuck, look at that. Maybe they used it in court or something. I don't know. It's oh, just wow. very. disturbing. It sounds like something
0: they would use in court. Oh my goodness, so I Googled Peter Bryan, and what I get is a lot of family guy. <laughs> oh god, okay, moving on. <laughs> Peter and Bryan. Right? Oh dear. So
1: Peter was finally given his entire life sentence and will never be released from Broadmoor. Good. Um, Judge Giles Forrester told him you had the urge not only to kill, but also to eat the flesh of your victims. You experienced feelings of power and invincibility. Not only that, but you gained sexual excitement from the act of battering your victims to death. The earlier treatment at the hospital did not cure your disease, and there's no reason to believe that a hospital order now will do what it failed to achieve back in 1994. It's clear that you can appear calm and cooperative while harboring bizarre psychotic beliefs. Yes, it is very clear. Good job. So there he stays. He's still at Broadmoor. There were some parallels in some of the articles that were made to Hannibal Lecter and how candid he was with his appetite for human flesh. Okay. At some point, he had also stated that the, the meat on the legs, the raw meat on the legs, tasted like chicken.
0: Interesting. Which I don't think it would. I don't like chicken, so... <laughs> Hannah's not a poultry fan. Nah, this doesn't give me any interest in eating a human body. Meredith, I also found the same thing that you found. <laughs>
2: Did you? Okay, isn't that fucking disturbing?
0: It's it's a lot. For some reason, I'm like, whenever I'm reading these
1: articles, I'm like tuning out the images because I just assume that they're ads and stuff. So I just
0: like... This was on Murderpedia. I'm definitely going to put it on the website. It was like a a cartoon for, it had to be for like the trial. Yeah. It's not his actual body Yeah,
2: But it's got like where the bloodstains were, where the body parts were, where the weapons were. But yeah, it's... It's a lot.
0: Brian had a bicycle. I also really like this. I'm still here. Uh, There's a headline that said, Cannibal Killer Let Out by Bunglers. Yeah, I saw that one too. (laughs) Yep.
1: Bungler. (laughs) Definitely, This is definitely bungled. So mistakes after mistakes were made. And there was a little bit of um, investigation into what went wrong. But not a whole lot came from it, of
0: course. Sure. I'll say, "Mm, he did kill someone immediately. Mental health is hard. Yeah. But, like, he did kill someone. His, he probably should not have gone out at all after he killed someone. Nope.
2: No, not at all. So the
0: psychiatrist didn't even need really to be a part of this, you know? Nope.
2: <laughs> Some people just cannot be rehabilitated no matter what. And he clearly showed signs of being completely disturbed. Even yeah. if he did show times of being somewhat sane, he still had these episodes
0: He's sane enough to pretend to be sane so that he could go and do what he wanted to do. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of hard, too, because, like, I really don't think he wasn't sane when he killed that first woman. The first... Yeah, there wasn't
1: a whole whole lot, like, to go off of as far as, like, the record for showing that he actually did have something, like, some sort of plea by, like, default of, like, insanity or something, so...
0: And it's just, like, just because you... fuck. Just because you have a mental illness... And you murder someone while you're mentally ill. You still murdered someone. I don't know. This is a hard one. But yeah, least... it makes you it makes you almost
1: even more dangerous because you're not recognizing. Well, it's like, like yeah. societal norms at that point to the point where you can kill someone.
0: And he did think eating people was normal, but that could have been just bullshit. It's hard because, like, ah God. Yeah. If you don't have control of your mind, I don't know. I agree.
1: It's it's difficult to like draw a line on anything. But you killed some. There someone are some people that might be rehabilitatable. Like, but yeah. even if
0: you are rehabilitatable for the family of I don't know, what was the guy Brian? Yeah, there was Brian Cherry and then there was Nisha. I was like both of them like, well, they're dead forever. Yep. So, this guy gets to get out and my my person has to, I'll never see my person again, like Yeah.
2: Oof. Yeah, no. Yeah. That's a no. How about no? <laughs>
0: And know. no. So
1: while I was reading through these things, a couple of things actually stuck out to me. One of them was when he had said that he wanted to eat their soul.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
1: And so aside from this storyline, there were a few other articles mentioning the history of soul eaters um, along with like this story kind of thing. So since that was what Peter said that he wanted to do, I did a little bit of some more cool spooky history dive into this sort of folklore.
0: Yay. Spooky season.
1: So remember Barbados, where his parents are from, it was originally inhabited by and then taken away from the Kalinago, which are the indigenous indigenous people that were residing in this area of the Caribbean. Barbados was repeatedly invaded by colonizers, of course, first by the Spaniards, uh, the 1500s, and then the Portuguese, and then colonized in the 1600s by, you guessed it, British, right? <laughs> Go figure, the ship that carried the, the white men who claimed the land for King James I was called the Olive Blossom. Because, you know, how olives are supposed to be a signal of peace and all.
0: Oh, yeah. The Olive Blossom.
1: Okay. So during this time, the island colony worked with, uh, or via plantain plantation economy, relying on the labor of enslaved Africans. And the slave trade to the island continued until it was outlawed by... The Slave Trade Act in 1807, final emancipation of the enslaved population in Barbados occurring over years following the Slavery Abolition Act in 1833. But so the soul leaders, right? What are they? Their folklore seems to originate from the African peoples, notably the Hausa people of Nigeria and Niger, mm-hmm. which were part of the that coastline, right, where they were taking kidnapping people and... So, belief in soul trainers is related to the traditional folk belief in witchcraft, voodoo, zombies, etc. Okay. And the soul leader is supposedly able to consume an individual's spirit within the flesh and can become stronger and even live a life with the same livelihood as the victim.
2: Ooh, interesting. All right, you're on a real trend. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> like spooky things. I mean, I found I found like a really random rabbit hole and I kind of thought it was fun. So, I'll just included it in like. Oh, that hell one. yeah. The other weird bullshit kind of side of this podcast. Woo! My favorite part. The folklore had survived the African cultures throughout the Caribbean region, brought on by, unfortunately, all the the enslaved peoples, but their culture was able to continue. So maybe Peter was told these stories of soul eaters by his parents and, like, really took them to heart? I don't know. Because there's nothing else really documented in his childhood or history that can lend evidence to, like, why he ended up as messed up as he did.
0: Yeah. Was he diagnosed with something? Like... It sounded like schizophrenia to me, like the onset yeah. was a little later. I think the, the official teenage... was
1: schizophren- schizophrenia. Okay. But like, other than that, nothing. And there was like no major like incident of violence or brain trauma or anything when he was younger.
0: Well, schizophrenia can come on like late teens, early 20s. Is what's more common with that. And so you wouldn't wouldn't see it as a kid usually. And so if it does run in your family, then you kind of keep an eye on yourself until you're 25, 28 or something. Just to see how things are going. But if you don't know it runs in your family, you wouldn't keep an eye on yourself. But yeah.
2: And it seems to fit with his timeline because he started exhibiting stuff when he was around 18. So
0: yeah. And then I guess. Yeah, that's true. Whatever psychosis you have is kind of more personalized towards mm-hmm. the person that has it. So maybe it could be yeah. if he had heard about this stuff from his parents. And that's like how it manifested. But I don't know like how much was that still being talked about? I don't uh, know.
1: I just thought it was interesting that like it there was a tie to Barbados mm-hmm. from like that historic cultural side.
2: Well, I was going to say, too, that sometimes parents will tell fables or, you know, kind of the monsters under the bed stories to their kids, you know, whether to be for like warnings or, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like the boogeyman or stranger danger or something like that. So in these different cultures, maybe they have these stories that they tell their kids about and it just might be a part of, you know, family dynamics or, or whatever, but... I guess be careful what you tell your kids.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't I don't see like where he would have gotten the idea that he could eat a person's soul out of eating their flesh unless you actually tie it to this and like it doesn't make sense until you see it in context of like his yeah. parents definitely were in the area where this sort of thing might have been part of their culture when they were growing up and maybe they brought that with them because they were immigrants. So, and like sort of sharing that with and like maintaining
0: their family culture with those yeah. stories, the folklore.
2: Yeah, boogeyman stories. He was also
0: in the grip of psychosis, though. And, like, Mr. Oh, yeah. Chase killed a bunch of people because he thought he didn't have enough blood. Oh, for not sure. Not because his no, parents I mean told him, like, in, like, a story about not having enough blood. He just, like, that's where his mind twisted into. Yeah.
1: I more mean it in, like, a here's this shared culture, like, folklore or spooky tales that you tell around a campfire kind of feel. But then... Because of his mental illness that was already maybe predisposed in some sort. That's how it like solidified in his brain the wrong way or something.
0: I mean, he he went right for the brain, which is where I would say the soul is as well. Yeah. I do have a side note about Barbados. Oh, yeah. We were
2: on a family cruise to Alaska and we met one of the cruise ship members and he was from Barbados and he had the most amazing accent I don't do accents. (laughs) You guys can try. I couldn't even try. I don't even know
0: what a Barbados accent sounds like.
2: I could have listened to this dude talk forever. You're like, you need to like read books on tape or something Mm because it was just such a beautiful accent.
1: That's how I feel about like most accents. I'm always just instantly enamored because it sounds different. Mm -hmm. Like even going to Boston, hearing like a real Boston accent and I'm just like, this is, this is awesome. This is hilarious. Like, you see it in movies and, like, never in real life. I don't know. So, yeah, definitely, like, Barbados' accent is
2: phenomenal. <laughs> it was, like, soothing, mm-hmm. smooth, like, uh amazing. Oh, has it a good cadence. Amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right, so other than that, yeah, what I've got is that Peter was born on October 4th, 1969, which, of course, makes him a Libra. Blah! Libras are great at recognizing balance and things, but also are really quickly able to assimilate
0: themselves into situations. So,
2: like, how oh. he faked being sane. Yeah, because yeah,
0: they do, like, they can... By multiple psychiatrists. They can match the energy around them really easily if they need to or they want to. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's that's my story. Sticking to it. All right. That was a short one. I'm going to not shit over Libra for once. Well, I already did, but I'm going to stop <laughs> shit on Libra,
2: so... You shan't not shit on Libra because the sun and the moon are both Ugh, in Libra moon's as going of in Libra. It's
1: double
0: wham. October
1: 6th. See, that's why my stomach's hurting so bad.
0: Because your stomach doesn't know how to feel. <laughs> Should you be happy? Should you be sad? You need someone to bounce yourself off of the so you drama. can't be a real person. Okay, no, I'm shit-talking Libras again. <laughs> okay.
2: So, yes, the new moon will be in Libra as of October 6th. And this new moon actually also aligns with Mars. So the spiritual meaning of the new moon relates to energy and passion and initiative, but also anger and violence. Thanks, Mars.
0: Oh, Yeah, Mars. You rough. Although I feel like Libra is going to put Libra into Mars. They're not the most violent. They're the most passive aggressive. Maybe Cancer as well.
2: Yeah. The lunation will bring out some diplomatic energy and some charm, and it is possible that it will lead us to rebalancing or repairing relationships that may be damaged during Mercury's retrograde.
0: Yeah. Because we're chilling We're chilling there. So.
2: Yeah. And also on October 6, Pluto goes direct into Capricorn.
0: Caprock!
2: Cord. And the crazy thing about Pluto is it does not change very often. So Pluto has been in Capricorn since November 26th of 2008.
0: <sighs> wow! Well, it has a huge ass orbit.
2: In this instance, on October 6th, it's actually moving backwards from 26 degrees to 24 degrees, still in Capricorn. Capricorn is a cardinal earth sign, right, mm-hmm. Hannah? Oh yeah. Would you say yeah. I
0: would dirt? I yeah, what'd mud.
2: Mud. Well, that's right.
0: Capricorn by itself is dirt. My chart is mud because she got
1: some water in there. Yeah, making mud
0: pies.
2: <laughs> like I said, this is a cardinal earth sign. It's symbolized by the goat, and it is known to be industrious, pragmatic, I can't say that one.
1: pragmatic, <laughs>
2: pragmatic, <laughs> pragmatic pragmatic, also to have a cool demeanor and a very deep drive, so.
0: That's 100% a Capricorn, and I need to find that Capricorn energy. Toads my goats. So that I can fucking finish this fucking piece of shit that I got myself into. Not the podcast. Uh (laughs) It's the PhD bullshit.
1: Ooh, sorry. Since we're on the topic of Capricorn, Peter's Mars was a Capricorn.
2: Interesting. Hmm.
0: Well, he had his own twisted logic to how he uh, approached things. A little stuck in his ways. He really wanted a brain. He really wanted a soul. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted the soul. I will
2: add that Pluto being in Capricorn, this gives us a nudge, or it still is giving us a nudge, right? Because it's been in Capricorn for a while, but it gives us a nudge to stop thinking and like start doing, and especially when it comes to imbalance power dynamics in our lives. So
0: boom, boom, boom. I oh, I, I need this. Is yes. So Cuz I need Hannah? to get the fuck out of the situation that I'm in. Also find a new job yeah. but GTFO as well.
2: So October 6th is your day, Hannah.
0: All right. That's like 2 weeks from now. Well, no oh, shit. It's 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 fine.
2: Mark your calendar.
0: Oh, I have it marked on my calendar. Don't worry.
2: All right. And on October 7th Venus will enter Sagittarius and our hearts will long for adventure and travel.
0: I'm not going anywhere until I graduate.
2: But the next four weeks aren't the best for long-term commitments or budgeting, but this is an exciting time to seek out fun and excitement. Venus is the planet of love, beauty, harmony, so there's never a dull moment when Venus is in Sagittarius, the sign of truth-seeking and exploration. This period is about using your relationships as tools for growth, and you also want to spend as much time as possible with as many different types of people as possible. So... A good day for a party?
0: I give you a good day for the party. I ignore sometimes yeah. when um, I see something I don't love. So, like, I'm not going to go too far into this Venus in Sagittarius thing. Okay. Not really looking for adventure. <laughs> more looking for a commitment. Okay. A party would be great. I need to do something. But, yeah.
2: Start priming for a Halloween <gasps> party.
0: Yeah. I <Le> gasp. What the
2: fuck are we going to be this year? Listeners. What are you going to be oh my this God, year for? Tell Halloween? us.
0: Ooh, yes. Did we have a Halloween party last year? No. No, it was COVID. So the, the year before was when I was Dick Wolf. Yes. Okay. Ow. Oh. We'll post our Halloween shit on the website as well. And then let, yeah, let sure. us know what you guys are going to do. Because now I honestly didn't even think about it. And now I'm like, fuck. It's
2: fast approaching. And we would love to hear about what you would like to be for Halloween. So reach out to us. We are on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, on Facebook at TCT Podcast. You can email us directly at trine at gmail.com to get a sticker. We still have some stickers. And (laughs) definitely check out the website, com.
0: By the time you hear this... It might be updated. I'm trying, <laughs> but I'm also...
2: Hannah's busy, okay, She's folks? She's got her hands full. She's doing the best she can.
0: Yeah, it's just a really, it's a very stressful time for me because I need to finish all this bullshit, write this bullshit, find another job bullshit.
2: Welcome to my world.
0: <laughs> blah, 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 the
2: never-ending cycle blah. of busy.
0: I feel like a lizard. <laughs> blah. Blah. <laughs> I've come to terms with it. I'm looking forward to, like, having... To ending my PhD and hopefully finding myself a nice, like, nine-to-five.
2: Yes. They're overrated. I'll just say that.
0: So is a PhD, let me say that. (laughs) Fair enough. So, you know, it's, they're all bad. Nine-to-five at least is less work than I do now.
2: Are we going to have to call you Dr. Hannah?
0: You're going to have to call me, well, actually, you guys should be calling me Master Starcevich because I I do have my master's degree okay master and then yes in uh well knock on wood you hear that folks maybe january i'll be a doctor it might not be till march we'll see but yes, yeah, either way awesome. either way super awesome i'll update the website i'm a doctor you get the the, the fun doctor doctor, doctor
2: <laughs> comma ph period d period is that what you get
0: I always just do uppercase P, lowercase H, uppercase D. I don't put the periods in, but it is philosophy. Okay. Doctor philosophy. So that's the right place for the philosophy. Period.
2: We'll have to get you a business card. Ha! That says, Master. Dude,
0: maybe I'll, <laughs> master maybe master I'll have a real enough job. I'm a doctor. That you will have a business card.
2: I'll make you a true crime trying <gasps> business card.
0: I love it. Ooh. I love it. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Are we stopping?
2: No, we got quote. I don't have a No quote.
0: Fuck, where's my English accent? I ain't got no quote. I I didn't look up a quote. Sorry, guys. I totally forgot.
2: Oh, no, that's okay. I'm Googling something real
0: quick and see.
1: Is there a Halloween astrology quote? Maybe there's just like Uh, a Halloween
0: quote. Well, I mean, Hocus Pocus is all just a bunch of Hocus Pocus. (laughs) All right, here we go. Author unknown. When witches go riding and black cats are seen, the moon laughs and whispers 'tis near Halloween. Nice.
2: I've got one from Oscar Wilde. Oh yeah. A mask tells us more than a face.
0: Honestly, Oscar Wilde, that's very um. You hit it on the head. I can't think of I can't think of the word I'm thinking of, but nailed it. Nailed
2: it. All right. Boom. Boom. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email trine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.